see y'all this morning. Good to see y'all. My name is Chris Mack. I'm the director of Mercy here at City Hope Fellowship. Um, not the pastor for those who may be new here this morning. Uh, he is on a break because <laughs> he just had a kid. Although I'm not really sure if uh, him and his wife have much of a break caring for their kids right now. So <laughs> but they, they are so much fun and we love being able to spend time with them living next door to him. That is a fun fact. But I also want to take the time to thank Mookie. Uh, Y'all know him as Matt James, but I call him Mookie. Actually, I call him Mook Dog. That's my my homie right there. I don't know why I call him that. It just got a nice ring to it. So, brother, thanks for preaching last week um, on the reality that we often put this pressure on ourselves. And uh, one of the quotes that that sticks out to me from that sermon is that we follow rules rather than walk with the Holy Spirit because rules are easier for us to manage. The Holy Spirit cannot be controlled. We need to yield control to him, yield control to the Spirit. And in practice, um, I got to entrust the Spirit to guide me. As Christians, we need to entrust the Spirit to guide each and every one of us. So my life is his, and so I need to let him guide me because he also wants to. He wants to do that. And to do so means to be sensitive to the Spirit and to trust that he will guide me and he will guide you guys. So I, I think somewhere in that quote, it, it stopped, but I kept sharing my notes. So <laughs> we'll pretend like you shared all of that. But of course, I wouldn't have gotten it without you, Mookie. So appreciate it. Um, I also want to take the time to recap our sermon series. Uh, we're through a sermon series called Exodus, and in that series, uh, last week I, uh, or a few weeks ago, I got a chance to preach and expound on the reality that God wants to be near His people, and He invites us at His dinner table. So, if you like to eat, the Lord invites you to His dinner table to worship Him, to be in awe of Him. And to dwell with him. And Israel got a chance to do that in such a way that they got to see the glory of God. And so what that looked like through the text was we got to see the people worship and set this covenant, have this covenant exchange with God saying that everything that I've taught you, you, I expect you to do these things. And they're like, okay. We will do what you have called us to, Lord. And there was a huge ceremony that took place. And um, the elders of the congregation got a chance, along with Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons, to go up to this mountain and come close to the Lord, rather than being struck down by the Lord. And so, again, for those who are new, we're going through this series called Exodus. Um, And in That was in chapter 25, or sorry, 24, where we got to witness that happen. So today, we're in Exodus 25, and we get to witness the the people of Israel go through. um, I'll make sure I get my, my, I'm going to get my notes mixed up here. (laughs) Actually, 25, okay, 25 is this week. I'm getting 23, 24, 25 mixed up. Y'all like, okay, look, we don't need all the details here, okay? Whatever, you're you're preaching in Exodus. (laughs) This week is Exodus 25, 1 through 9. 
And what's unique about this is Moses is with God on the mountaintop in this pillar of smoke. And the people at this point see Moses vanish. And they're like, all right, well, we don't know when he's coming back. But in this scene, God is about to instruct Moses on how to build this famous tabernacle that we're familiar with, we may have heard of within church context. We don't often get to see what that looks like. And I mentioned before that God himself is bringing himself tangibly closer to his people because he wants to be near them. He will not leave their side, and he wants them to know that they ought to worship him. So we're going to go ahead and dive into the scripture that I keep telling y'all we're going to dive into. Exodus 25, 1 through 9, I'll read it, and then we'll take time to pray and journey through this study. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Here's a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth. Tan ram skins and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the euphid and the priest's chest piece. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Let's pray, y'all. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that uh, you give good instruction to our lives. And this is one of those passages where it's easy to see these instructions and measurements and all of these details. That's Honestly, it's easy to skip over those things. But show us, Lord, that this is significant for our lives today. Whatever is not of you and is of me, I pray that people would forget so that they can solely remember that you are good and that your word is good. Thank you for it, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So originally, when I started working on this sermon, uh, we're at the point where we're seeing the construction of the tabernacle and the priests wearing certain clothing and all of these details that can get real easy to skip over. Right, And so to spare some of those details, but to to bring a main point, I will highlight and and give a general sense of where we're coming from. So um, originally when I was working on this, um, the the hope was to highlight in chapters 25 through 31 uh, and even further that God is giving instruction to his people, but there's a reason for this instruction. So eventually... He will receive Moses, what God has told him, and relay this information to his people. Hey, God told me we got to build this tabernacle. This is exactly what it's going to look like. And in my time of reading the Old Testament, I find myself paying attention to the moments of sincerity between God and his people. Now, it's probably hard to find that in a passage like this, although some people love details. And that's okay. There's beauty in details. And we're going to see some of those things. 
But the hope is that I can find that there's moments where I can read and get a sense of the hearts of the people and the heart of God. And just so I'm reminded that as we finish through this narrative, we see clear moments of God really wanting to be with his people. The Israelites, they came out of Egypt, and they're entering into this promised land, and God wants them to remember he'll remain near. You got Exodus chapter 6 through 7 that says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And the moments where I see the people of the hearts is clear in 25, right? We see that there's this desire for God to use the genuine hearts and contributions, the gifts, the skills, the tangible items from the people to bring them near. Said, accept the contributions, accept, A-C-C-E-P-T. It sounds like I'm saying accept, saying accept, accept <laughs> contributions from those whose hearts are moved, whose hearts are moved. If we fast forward to chapter 35, before the construction of the tabernacle, the people of Israel, they were moved. And, and in this passage in 35, right, moving forward, we see this working itself out. Their hearts were stirred, their spirits were moved by this project that they get to take part in. With generous hearts, they brought their free will offerings of Fine decor, beautiful stones, fragrant spices, golds, objects of every kind, colorful threads, clothing, fabric, some nice wood, pre-pandemic where it's not priced and taxed like crazy. Can't go lows the same anymore. You feel me? And so the Lord is commanding these things from men and women who have skills with fiber and fabric and building to take part in building this and building this beautiful tabernacle. The people of Israel continue to give free offering, free offerings, free will offerings to the point where Moses is like, we have enough. That's good. You don't need to give us any more, right? Don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We good. There was more than enough from the people that gave abundantly because they were moved by the Lord. In any kind of giving, what is it that God delights in? Is it the items themselves or is it the hearts of the people? The items or is it the heart? What we do know is that everything being presented to God belongs to God in the first place. Right, so it's not as if he's shocked, you know what I'm saying? It's not if he's like, oh, whoa, where'd you get that from? But this whole process is him creating a way for him to be near his people. He said in verse 8, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. In other words, it's like, Israel preparing to have their favorite guests over for, say, tonight for the weekend, right? You can think of your friend or your family member that you start to prepare the guest room for or the living room, you know what I'm saying? In my case, we got a one-bedroom, so we get that living room looking nice for you, okay? 
If you can reflect on those times, because I sure can, right? It means washing the sheets, making sure that they're clean and ready for your guests to sleep on. It means you destroy every piece of dust that exists in that house slash apartment. It means you use the lint roller on the couch if you have a dog or a cat or if you have a hairy gerbil. Dinner plans <laughs> that you have carved out that day and breakfast plans for the next day. And for whatever reason, you decide you want to do the laundry even though they don't plan on wearing your clothes. Preparing a beautiful place for this guest. Except God already knows, you know, what, what, what this place is going to look like. He's looking forward to it, and the people are looking forward to it too. And I want us to focus on this idea of God's beautiful dwelling place. Beautiful dwelling place. The people are excited as they prepare for a very extended stay with the Lord. And I've said it already, but we're watching this beautiful thing unfold. That's God moving closer and closer. He's moving closer and closer to the people that he loves. We've seen him close to the elders when they went up to the mountaintop to feast. But there are also moments where we've seen God close to his people other than this when we look in Scripture, right? It's not just this moment in Exodus. There's moments before, particularly God being in a beautiful place with his people. One of those examples is Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 1 through 2 where there's this recount of man and woman being created, we see God form man out of dust and breathe life into his lungs, proceeding with the pulling of a rib and creating woman. But it's clear that the space that they occupy is one of beauty. Genesis describes the growth of the garden as one with all sorts of trees growing from the ground, both beautiful to look at, and also delicious to eat from. He was near Adam and Eve in the garden, who at the time before the fall were completely unashamed, roaming free, and beyond joyous to know that the Father was near, who loved them. And now we're seeing it with the people of Israel creating a beautiful space for God. At first it was the Lord creating a beautiful space for his people, but now they get to use what God has given them to create beautiful things. I'll read about one of the most important pieces of this grand tabernacle that we're talking about, which would be the Ark of the Covenant. So in Exodus 25, 10 through 22, it says, and this is where them details and measurements come in. So if you like those things, get ready, buckle up, we're going in. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest. 45 in, you know what, what might, what might help is, I'm going to read this, and we're going to pull up a picture on the, on the screen here so y'all can, y'all can see this, and y'all can hear these things, okay? Now, I got this off Google. I'm not here to say that this is the exact tabernacle or Ark of the Covenant, okay? It's just a frame of reference. So, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and read here. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches high, 
overlay it inside and outside with pure gold and run a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet. Two rings from each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark and carry it. These carrying poles must stay in the rings, never remove them. When the ark's finished, place it inside, place inside it stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give you. Then make the ark's cover a place of atonement from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long, 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim from the hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Fold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all of one piece of gold. It's like gold here. Cherubim will face each other, look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet you. I will meet with you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover on the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commandments for the people of Israel. Keep that up there a little bit so y'all can ponder on what this thing might look like. Again, came from Google, frame of reference. At this point, y'all might be thinking, I don't need all these details, but to you, I say, are you sure? I mean, these details could serve for multiple purposes. There's certainly value in seeing how the people carefully followed the instructions of the Lord and, and constructing this ark. And, you know, there's also more details for the entire, entire tabernacle. But we're also seeing that God made it, that beauty serves purpose. Not why it's, you know, it makes me wonder why is beauty important to the Lord. Y'all might be wondering that too. This wasn't just made in dedication to God, but it was put together by God through his people so that he could be near them. He decided he wanted to use his people. So beautiful. It's also true that most beautiful pieces of art will leave you wondering who or what created this thing. Who's the cause of this? You see, something as beautiful as this holy place, you begin to wonder who created this thing. Maybe you're thinking, ah, I'm not a gold person, though, so I wouldn't consider it beautiful. But there's, sure, there's certainly significance in gold, or let's say curtains covered in purple, representing royalty. This royal curtain blocking access to this ark. Otherwise, we, we remember God's holy, and the people got to be careful when they approach God. So what is it about beauty? Well, fun fact for those who don't know, I not only preach on Sundays occasionally, but I'm also a hip-hop artist. And I love talking about art. And there's something beautiful about hearing art. I can't paint, but I can write a mean song. 
and just someone who loves to listen to my favorite songs or even art that's not even hip-hop. I have this appreciation for listening to a beautiful song and wondering what went through the artist's mind as they wrote this beautiful song. You know, take time to think about your, your favorite song that's just so beautiful to you, that speaks to you, right? You know, good example, um, my wife and I, we spent time with, with her, uh, her sister and brother-in-law yesterday, and on the way back from there, we listened to that new Ben Rector album. I don't know if there's any Ben Rector fans in here. Um, I enjoy him. She loves Ben Rector, and so I started listening to him because of her. And we just listened to that whole album on the way down. And it's like, yo, this thing's beautiful. And it expresses that the artist in that moment is able to express what they're going through in that time or why they created that project, which is a reflection of what he was going through during the pandemic. And so it's really unique to hear his thoughts and his perspectives and to even hear uh, more than usual religious undertones of God getting him through a tough season. So there's beauty in art, right? I think at the time where Vincent and I was hanging out a few Fridays ago, we, we did two of our favorite things. One, eat real good. Two, listen to good music. And I will give this man a shout out. He's got one of the greatest soulful SoundCloud playlists I've ever heard in my life. I got to give credit where it's due. So if you like soul music, R&B, make sure you check out his, not, not a playlist, it's just you got the songs that you like that's listed on there, right? You can check that out. And I'm like, it is just amazing to hear what goes through the mind of the artists as they create songs, and to even wonder, because sometimes artists don't explain it. And so if there is something beautiful to you in your life, probably end up sharing that thing, whether it be a painting, an illustration, or your favorite song that you're like, yo, you need to listen to this. This is fire. You share beauty with others. The Israelites are in relationship with God, but it's also clear by the construction of this space that it's beautiful, but it's also holy. Take note, the materials outside of the tent are beautiful made of bronze and silver. Yet as you move closer to the tabernacle, you see so much gold. And there's significance in this valuable resource. It shows the beauty of God and the significance of his divinity. The Ark of the Covenant is the place that God chooses to dwell and be near his people. It's closed off by this purple curtain that we talked about, symbolizing royalty. And just as God dwelled in the garden with Adam and Eve, the tabernacle is his place of choosing to be with his people at the time. It's as if the tabernacle is a mini Eden, right? Take note of the cherubim. Oh, wait, it's okay. You don't have to go back. But the, the you know, the, the, the angels with the wings. Take note of that and that. Could it be that this represents the angels that was guarding the garden? guarding the garden <laughs> when Adam and Eve got kicked out. Could it be a reflection of that, right? There's the lampstand representing the tree of life and the law within the ark representing the tree of knowledge. All of these pieces reference the past, but they give us 
a glimpse of what's to come, that there is this ultimate restoration that will come to us, a day when we are in full fellowship with the Lord. So we know that God was with his people. I mentioned that already. We know that he's blessed them with, with gifts and skills and heart to create a beautiful space for God to dwell. We know that the tabernacle, along with these beautiful things inside, represent the holiness of God. But for God, this ain't the final step, y'all. This ain't even the final step. Much purple curtains as there is and gold lathered everywhere, this ain't even it. Sure, they, they serve as beautiful represent, representations of God, but it isn't even the best dwelling place that God decides to occupy. It's not even the grand temple that we hear about that, that Solomon builds and constructs, as wonderful as that is. Not even during his era, but you see there is this uh, even beautiful, even more beautiful space that the Lord dwells. That space happens to be you. That space happens to be you. Fellow believer, I need you to listen to this scripture right here. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. It says here, He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us came to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We as Gentiles were built on this foundation of the apostles, the prophets, those who came before us. But the starting point of this construction, that was always Jesus. He's a main reference point of construction, meaning he is what our lives and our relationship with God revolve around. And it's through this cornerstone, Jesus Christ, that we are now the new dwelling place of God. We, as a people, he is in us and he is with us. It's always been a part of the plan to be in a family, but the foreshadow of God and dwelling within us is on other level. Jesus was aware that he would make a way for us to connect and come closer to the Lord. And we get a hint of that in John 16, verses 5 through 10, when he says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness 
and of the coming judgment, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. The Lord no longer reveals himself from a glorious mountaintop that was impossible for the people to reach without his permission. He doesn't reveal himself in a beautiful ark layered in shiny gold. He isn't revealing himself in a massive pillar of smoke and fire that Israel followed in the wilderness. Right now, instead, he reveals himself through each and every one of you who put your faith in him. We are his beautiful and precious temple, and he takes the foundation of this temple very seriously. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. Don't ever forget that. Takes the creation of his temple seriously. First Corinthians chapter 3, 16 through 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple. God's, God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We are the dwelling place for God by the spirit. In other words, we have been blessed by his spirit that he lives in us. And we let the world know about this beauty and death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are that temple that the Lord meets in. Rather than him meeting in a separate space, he is in us. There's no veil. That veil has been torn already because he's in you. It's within a tabernacle and within temples that we see these blood sacrifices and atonements that take place so that we're forgiven. Yet Jesus finished that when he gave his own life so that we can experience true peace with God. It's amazing that this peace is in us as unbelievers. But my question to you, believer, is do you see yourself as beautiful enough? For the Lord to dwell in you. Do you see yourself as beautiful? Is it possible that sometimes the sins that we commit keep us from really believing that we are truly worthy of having the presence of the Lord? Now, to clarify, we'll never be righteous enough in our own power. But that doesn't stop God from loving us. That doesn't stop God from seeing that we are truly beautiful. He's proven his love for us through the blood of Jesus. And therefore, we ought to live our lives in surrender to the Spirit, right? I mean, this hits home when Matt was talking about the Spirit last week. Remember, he challenged us to recognize the things that enslave us, the ways that we rely on ourselves. To turn those things over to God, to develop a sensitivity to his Spirit, because we are the beautiful temples which God dwells. Don't mean that we'll be perfect. Don't mean that we'll get it right every time. But there's a reason trust in the Spirit because He's in you. Although you and I may never be perfect, it doesn't mean that we aren't beautiful in God's eyes. Remember that. He's already committed to moving in when you put your faith in Him. In Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, there's this reminder. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? 
You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, this is in context of Paul talking to the church of Corinth about not giving in to sexual immorality. But even from that, we should remember that sin is that thing that keeps us from enjoying our company with the Lord. It keeps us from seeing that he is so much greater. And it's our sin that keeps those who don't know Jesus from truly seeing that they are beautiful temples made in his image. We are the greater ark of the covenant because we get to experience relationship with God in fullness. And he wants us all who hear to realize that we are made in his image. By the way, I go day. I may have heard that. Each and every one of us are meant to reflect the beauty and love of the Lord. And sometimes we forget that this is who we were meant to be. To display the beauty of Jesus through the light that has been given to us. Through the gifts and the talents that we possess. Through the passions and skills that we use each and every day. Do you know this? And if not... I implore you to ask the Lord to show you the way. Because you meant for this. I want to say that boldly today. Because the Lord knows that you are beautifully and wonderfully May all our hearts be moved to create space for him to work in us. Amen? So I just want to give you all that reminder today. You are beautiful. You are made in the image of God. You know what I'm saying? That's a beautiful thing, y'all. The Lord loves you so much. And if you do not know the Lord, you need to get to know this love. Greatest thing on earth. Not earth. Earth. <laughs> I mean that. I put some stank on that. I mean it. That's all I got. I just want y'all to reflect on that reminder. So thank you for your time. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Thank you that we are made in your image. Beautifully, wonderfully made. It's, it's a simple message. <laughs> we hear it a lot, too. I'm not here to try to find some undiscovered mystery uh, because this truth is something that shouldn't be mysterious. It's a truth that you want to be spoken plain and simple. And beautiful it is. Jesus, you are beautiful. Thank you for laying your life down for us so that we can know the Father. And you give us an opportunity to respond. You demand a response because you are king. And, and the tabernacle shows us that. In, in the images and in, in all of the things that were constructed by the people, it is clear that you are Lord and you are king, and you demand a response. Not just from Israel, but you've worked this plan for all of us to know you. So let's respond, Lord. Help us respond. Give us glad, joyful hearts like you did Israel when they created your temple, when they built tabernacle, when they built the ark, 
Lord, when you built your church, thank you for this truth. Thank you for this Reflect on and remember. Amen. Amen. That goes to...